try to finish up at least the commitment portion of this lesson tonight. 2 Timothy chapter number 1. The Bible says, verse 12, for the which cause, for the which cause, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed to him against that for the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. And the Apostle Paul said, I'm persuaded. There's zero doubt in my mind that I am going to be able to keep those things that I have committed to him against that day. Amen. So tonight we're going to pick up in our lesson of why I need a church. Last week we began talking about commitment. We're going to continue talking about commitment tonight. Amen. And so if we could ask the Lord to speak to our hearts as we delve into the word of the Lord, that would be wonderful. Can we lift our voices to the Lord and ask him to speak to us tonight? Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I thank you for your grace and your mercy here today. I'm asking that you would bind our hearts and our minds together, that you would allow us to find that place in the Holy Ghost that you are here dwelling and calling us unto. But God, most important, we want to know that we have heard from you, that we can leave this house, Lord, changed and challenged by your word. God, I thank you for your goodness and I praise you for all that you have done. We give you the praise and we give you the honor you alone deserve. Amen. Can we give him a hand clap of praise in this place tonight? Oh, I love you, Jesus, and I praise you with all of my heart today. Thank you, Savior, for your goodness. Thank you for your goodness. You can be seated this evening. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, I am, I know that we sang about all the goodness of God tonight, and I am so very thankful for all the good things that he's done, and I don't want to ever cease to praise him for what he is doing in our lives. Amen. God is doing good things. We should take a moment to worship him for those good things. God is doing wonderful things in, the, in those around us, and we should take a moment to praise him for it. Amen. I, the psalmist said that I will, his praise shall continually be upon my lips. I want that to be the case for me. Amen. I want, first off, and I'm, I'm going somewhere with this because I, I, want, I want us to understand our praise shows our commitment to God. Our praise shows others how much we love God. Amen. And so... The reason I'm taking this, this moment now is to just try to reiterate that we as individuals, last week we talked about this uh, at great length, but we need to be first and foremost committed to God. 
We need that everybody around us knows that I am committed to God. Can I get an amen? amen. Commitment to God means I'm changing me. And I'm aligning me to him. I'm not going to go through all of that again, but we did bring across Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33 says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Amen. The second thing we talked about in addition to being committed to God is we ought to be committed to the church. We talked about how that we are strengthened when we come into the house of the Lord and when we hear the voice of the Lord time and time again. Um, and and I, I want to say that we should spend time studying on our own, but there are things that you're not going to get on your own. Uh, there are things that God has reserved for the collective body. Amen. And, and I, 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 in, in, uh, in other lessons, we'll unpack those things. I am very strongly considering going back. Brother Mendez, I know you've heard it before, but I'm considering going back and just revisiting all of those lessons that we brought you guys in with. I know we're going to be revisiting what is the Holy Ghost. What is the oneness of God? Why, why do these things matter? Why do I need to be baptized in Jesus' name? Yes, I understand. Many of us got a good understanding, but I feel, I've been feeling that we need to go back to the basics and begin to relay, make sure that those foundations don't have any holes in them. Uh, over time, we can begin to question certain things. In fact, I believe it was the Apostle Paul said uh, that we should, uh, he said, I, I don't want to relay the foundations uh, that we began laying a long time ago. But what I do want to do, we need to begin to be able to uh, 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 absorb uh, the meat of God's word, not just the milk uh, of the word of God. Amen. I don't believe it's the will of God that any child of the Lord is constantly drinking only the milk in the word of the Lord. But I believe that it is the will of God that we begin to get down into the crux of what God really means for us to do in our lives. And we begin to unpack those things through the word of God. If it's not based upon the word of God, I think you know me enough that I don't want to even discuss it. I don't want to go through the the, 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 the motions of, of just trying to explain things away if it's not founded upon a scripture, amen, that, that we can begin to build foundations upon. There are doctrines that we, we need to understand and I want us to understand and I want to do my best to, to help us to understand these things. One of those things here is, I want us to understand, we need commitment. We need commitment. I started last week by talking about how in this world, commitment is very lax. It is very few and far between. And we need, we need people that still hold the value of being committed to something and somebody. It's not okay that if things get rough, 
that the first thing we say to our spouse is, I want a divorce. In fact, I've told couples in this church time and time again that we ought not to even have that word in our vocabulary because it's not an option. When we come to the things of God, there is another word that I want you to remove from your vocabulary and that is a four-letter word that is spelt Q-U-I-T. Never quit. Never quit. It is not an option. I've got to make heaven my home. It's the bottom line. I cannot give up on my relationship with God. I can promise you, my friend, that God will not give up on his relationship with you. Amen. I want to make sure that we understand commitment is more than just saying I will and then just slide by wherever we can. But commitment is saying I will and doing everything and then some more so that I can go the next mile with God. Amen. There is a, uh, Reagan's working now at Chick-fil-A. I don't know if they push this in as much as they used to, but they, they tried to push what they called the second mile service. Second mile service. They still talk about that sometime. Mr. Kathy, who founded, Truett Kathy, who founded Chick-fil-A, loved the Bible. He was a very devout Baptist man. He loved the things of God. He loved to try to incorporate them into his business, into his life. In his opinion, based upon his book that I have read uh, about his, it's his autobiography, uh, he said that he was, uh, his desire was to make sure that God was found in every aspect of his life. Whether it was business, whether it was in relation, it was just casual uh, relationships between him and his friends and, and family and, and not to mention the fact that he wanted to make sure God was God in church. But one of the things that he began to teach at, uh, and they started at corporate level and they pushed it down and as a trainer there I, I began to teach these things and they pulled a scripture that the Pharisees asked the Lord, what would happen? You see, well, let me back up. In the scriptures and in the time that Jesus lived, we understand the Romans were ruling the land. They had Roman soldiers everywhere. And Roman law said that if a Roman soldier saw you and came walking past you, on the pathway where they were headed. Whether or not you were heading in the same direction they were, they would have to ask, they would have the authority to ask, not ask, but demand, carry my pack. And they would take the pack off their back and they would hand it to the individual. And that individual, by law, was required to go one mile. Whatever direction that soldier was going, they were required to go one mile with him. And the Pharisees said, they were trying to trick him. And they asked him, so what about this law? 
Should we walk the one mile with the soldier? Brother Tuffy, you remember this passage? Yeah. He said, I say to you, not just one, but you should go two miles with the soldier. When you reach the mile mark, that soldier's used to somebody saying, all right, I've done my duty. Now you pick this thing up off the ground. I can just imagine some people having some attitudes and saying, all right, I'm going to make this as inconvenient for you as you have for me at least as much as I can. Throwing their pack on the ground and walking away. But Jesus was trying to put in the people that he was teaching, not just the Pharisees. He knew the Pharisees didn't care what he said. But he knew that the disciples would listen to what he was saying. And what he was trying to do is, I want you guys to understand that there should be a difference in somebody who is committed to God. You should not have animosity against somebody else, even though they may have inconvenienced you. This is hard stuff if you really apply it in your life. Or is it just for me? <laughs> I want you to consider God's desire for us is to set forth a testimony, an example of how much I love God. I don't care if it puts me out. I want to reach this person and I want them to know that I'm not the same as everybody else that he has come in contact with. And so now I want him to understand that I will go the second mile. And I want God to understand in this old boy, amen, maybe nobody else under the sound of my voice feels this way, but I want God to look down and say, hey, that child of mine, Brandon Hilton, he he loves to go the second mile for me. Amen. It may not be convenient for him, but my God, I want to be pleasing to him. I want to be a vessel that he can use, and I want him to see that my commitment is 100% only dedicated to my God. That means I haven't left my notes too far. That means if I don't feel like going to church, I'm going to push myself to go to church. If, my, if I've committed to my brother and my sister, I'm going to meet them. And, I, I, and maybe I, I get this hinkling that I, I don't know if I want to go tonight. I don't feel so great. We made a commitment. If anybody on the face of this planet should should keep their word, it should be a child of God. It should be somebody who professes to be a Christian. God forbid somebody look at you and say, my goodness, if that's what a Christian looks like, I don't want any part of it. I've heard that statement too many times in my lifetime. I do my best do my best. And I'm not trying to pat myself on the back. I, I just, I want you to understand my heart tonight. I try to do my best that when people see me, they don't just look at me and say, well, that's just another Hilton over there. But they can see Jesus in me. And not only can they see him in me, 
I want them to feel him when I walk by. It's my desire. It only comes through commitment, though, friend. It only comes through consecration to the Lord. I didn't come to talk about all that tonight. We'll, we'll delve into that at another time in more depth. But I, I want you to understand, first two things we've talked about and, con, and, and considered was we need to be committed to God and we need to be committed to the church. And I know we talked about the pastor a lot last week, but in these notes that I have here we're going to talk about this a little bit more. We do need to be committed to the church, but we also need to be committed to the pastor. Uh, again, I'm going to say this, and I hope that you take everything that I say in the spirit in which I mean it and not take it and, and try to twist it and make it to something that it's not. I can promise you I'd rather somebody else come and preach this kind of stuff. But here I am. I prayed and I said, God, if there's anything else that you want me to preach tonight, change the direction of my heart and mind. And God didn't do it. The more I prayed, the more this was embellished into my heart. And so Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 15. Ephesians 4, 11 through 15. This is what, where we stopped last week. I didn't jump into this area, and so we're going to pick up here. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 15. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Now there's a lot I, I, I want to say. I want to cover some notes before I, I say some of these other things about what's here. But I do want to back up, if we can, back up to verse number 12. God gave, in verse 11, the ministry. But in verse 12, the Bible begins, if you notice in verse 11, if you know anything about sentence structure, we have at the end of this statement was a semicolon. In verse 11. Meaning there's more to what I'm saying. And so he goes on, yes, it's split up into different uh, paragraphs, or, I'm sorry, different verses, but in the original, you got to understand, there were no verses and chapters. These were letters written to churches. 
And so he, read, he wrote to them and he gave some apostles, some prophets, and some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, semicolon, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now these are the words of the Apostle Paul. Writing to a young man, a young pastor, and he was telling him God gave gifts to the church and that was the ministry. And this is what those gifts were put there for. And he said, first off, I want you to understand they were given to make the church or the saints mature. They were put there so that the saints could become more than just babes in Christ. They also were put there to do some servant work. Amen. That's what ministry means for the edifying or the building up of the body of Christ. And he's still not finished here. He goes to the next verse. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. It is the duty of the ministry to make sure that the church is not only being perfected or made mature in Christ, but the way that we do that, we have to continue to teach so that you can grow in knowledge of the Son of God. Unto a perfect man, the Bible said, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of of Christ. We're still talking about the ministry here. It hasn't stopped this sentence quite yet. And he keeps on going to the next verse that we henceforth be no more children. It's not the will of God that we keep a child's mentality. Amen. It's not the will of God that we as saints of the Lord Keep this mentality of, hey man, this is as far as I want to go. That's not how life works, my friend. That's not how spiritual life works either. Hey man, a child is born. A child is not able to speak. A child begins to grow. He begins to build muscle memory. He begins to do all of these things. Not even in the beginning can he eat uh, uh, the, 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 the solid foods that we eat today. Yet even today, just past Sunday, Mr. Carlos, Brother Carlos, he was, he was just, he couldn't even eat the chips that we had. He couldn't chew them, but he could suck them. He's learning. He's developing. He's, he's understanding now that food, solid food, tastes pretty good, especially at Mexican restaurants. And uh, he began to eat, uh, and he, he liked the cheese a lot, and, and he, liked, he liked the meat a lot. Amen. But he is not able to grow, he's not able to eat that entire burrito that I had. He's not able to eat the steak. He's not able to, able to eat the, 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 the shrimp and all of the things that are able, we are able to, do, to eat as grown-ups. And, and there's reasons for that, right? He has to develop things. He needs teeth. He needs, uh, he needs, he needs uh, uh, jaw power. He needs, he needs all of these things, and they have to be able to be developed. That's how it is with our child, our, 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 our spiritual man. We're born as a child. We begin to, 
we begin to grow and we begin to develop and we begin to develop even muscle memory that allows us to walk and, and allows us to crawl and allows us to do all these things. And, but the Bible says, let me ask you something. Brother Mendez, how, did, how, how well do you think and how quickly do you think Carlos would develop if he didn't have dad over there to hold his finger sometime? How many times do you think he would crawl over and flip down them stairs if dad didn't keep an eye on him? So it is with our spiritual man. We need somebody that God has placed in our life to lead us, to give us direction, to say, no, you can't touch that. Why? I'm an adult, Pastor. Well, I'm not trying to downplay the fact that you are an adult. I'm trying to help you understand, spiritually speaking, you may think that you can handle things. But I can promise you there are times that you need to put safeguards around your own mind so that you are not falling prey to the attacks of hell. That we henceforth be no more children, the Bible says. We need to continue to grow. We're not being tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine. That's why it's important, as like we talked about last week, it's important that you're not just going out there and listening to any old thing, uh, just letting all these different types of teaching come in. Why? Because it's going to be detrimental to your own understanding of the Word of God. Until you are rooted and grounded in the Word of the Lord, you need to make sure that where God planted you, you are digging deep into the Word of the Lord and asking God, God, show me these things. Help me to understand. Amen. I didn't intend to break these verses down, but this is where we're at tonight. Amen. And he said, you, we, we, we're doing that so that you're not carried about by just every, everything that sounds good, everything that appeals to your, your desires. I, I, uh, but by the slight of men, he said, and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. So how do we keep ourselves from being deceived? It's by listening to the ministry. You say, well, they're just men too. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. But there's something about the fact that God, when he establishes an office, the wisdom and the knowledge that they operate with, I'm not saying I'm somebody special, but I'm saying this office that I hold is very special. And that God begins to work with the men that he's called and placed. I'm going to talk about this again in a minute. But he begins to work in their hearts. He begins to speak to their minds. And, and, he try, and, and do, they, they, do they mess up sometimes? Absolutely, because they are men. They are people just like you and me. But I want you to understand that God begins to work us over. And I can promise you that you don't want that kind of working over. Amen. He won't let you sleep several nights. He won't. I'm not trying to make it feel like, make you feel like you're nothing. I, I, that's not what I'm after. I just want you to understand. Until God calls you into this office, 
you will not understand the gravity in which the men of God that are really called of God and not just hirelings, what kind of burden they, they carry. They understand that there will be a day that we're going to stand beside every single child of God that he put under our authority and under our watch. And he's going to not only judge you, but he's going to judge me along with you. Amen. Here at the end, he's not even finished yet. I just stopped here. But, but speaking the truth in love. Now, I have known of men that are not so loving, that they, they are very rough and they are gruff. And sometimes that's needed in love. <laughs> but we need to be careful that, and this is his warning to Timothy, make sure you're teaching and preaching the truth in love so that all of them, not just yourself, but everybody under the sound of my voice, would be able to grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. I believe I'm going to get to this verse a little later, but the Bible talks about how, uh, in fact, the Apostle Paul, he, he wrote, I think it's in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, but he says, be you followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. And if you go into the original of that verse, you're going to find that that original word could have also been tra translated, be imitators of me as I imitate Christ. You understand the significance of imitation. I'll never be Christ, but I sure do want to be like him. I want every characteristic of Christ in my life. That means I'm consistent in living for God. When I'm at church, I'm not cursing, and when I go home, I'm not cursing. When I'm at church, I'm worshiping the Lord, and when I'm at home, I'm worshiping the Lord. You with me today? Consistent commitment. That's what we're look, that's what I'm talking about, preaching about tonight. And and learning that the reason that God placed pastors in our lives is so that we could grow up in Christ and know him better and be led to Christ because this was ordained of God. In fact, God has ordained the pastor to be your spiritual leader and to do the work of God. And this is what I was mentioning a moment ago. If you will follow your pastor as he follows Christ, you, my friend, will find spiritual contentment between you and your Savior. Amen. You must, according to Scripture, you have to follow your pastor in order to follow Christ. That's what the Apostle Paul told us. No one, and I know some of these are going to sound really gruff, but here I am. We've got, you just got to understand the spirit in which I'm coming to you with 
this as. Amen. No one can give you the wise and godly counsel that only can come from God. Amen. And advice that your pastor can give. Amen. I taught this lesson many times even there in Olathe. Amen. I often and I still do my best. I try to go above and beyond and let my pastor know I love you. And I need your advice and your guidance in my life. Because no one else has the authority that my pastor has in my my life. Nobody else has the anointing to shepherd my life than, than my pastor does. Amen. That's the way that God orchestrated all of this. Amen. Nobody can guide my life like my pastor can guide my life. Amen. Yes, I'm preaching to myself today. I need to be reminded. I need some guidance from above. Amen. If God gives direction to someone about your life, my friend, he will give it to your pastor. Amen. It's, it's got to be important. Something This has got to be something that you've got to keep in your mind. Is that when you are seeking guidance for life, answers, and God cares about all of those intricacies. I've told you guys before, when it came to buying the house, I talked to my pastor. I had him praying with me about it. Before I switched jobs back 10 years ago, I, I, I went to my pastor. Pastor, will you please pray with me about this situation? Will you help me? Before I start buying vehicles, I, I, I try to make sure that either I have already let him know that we're needing something and help me pray that God gives me the right thing. And if he feels something negative about it, that he could let me know. Many of you know about the time that I just switched from being a full-time employee to being my own contractor, subcontractor, so, and, and all of the insecurities around that. And, and I began praying about it, asking God for the wisdom of God to give me direction in this, in this area. And, and I called him, I don't know how many times, Pastor, will you help me? This is the situation. This is where we're at. Are we sure this is the right direction I should go? Why? Because he's, a, he's super business savvy and he knows every aspect of it? No. No. But because God talks to him about my soul. God deals with him about the direction of my spirit. The pastor is a representative of God. God called him, God anointed him, God sent him, can I say it this way, God is his boss. The pastor must answer to God. The pastor is responsible for your spiritual well-being and he better be committed to you. He better be committed to you. There's nothing more fulfilling for a pastor than to see the members of the congregation grow spiritually and mature in the Holy Ghost. In fact, the pastor wants to help you 
and he wants you to succeed in living for God. Maybe they tell you they do. But let me ask you a question, and I'm not, again, please understand, I'm not trying to put a star over my head, but I want to ask you one simple question. Is there anybody else in this world, Remember that's standing between you and all of hell? Is there anybody else that has Brother Tuffy to look the devils in the face and fight them for all he's worth for your soul? I want you to consider with me Revelation chapter 2, 3, 1, 2, and 3, uh, the letters to the churches. Who was it that God spoke to John the Revelator and said, Write to the angel of the church of Philadelphia. Write to the angel of the church of Antioch. And there were a lot of things said, but the weight fell upon the angel, or can I say it this way, the pastor of those churches. They were the ones that stood in the gap between a God in some of those instances that was angry with those churches or the blessing of God. And the, I, I will dare say, I understand that there is a responsibility. If we're going to be blessed, it's got to have to start from the top down. I understand that. But I also understand that there are times I've watched my father-in-law, my pastor. I've watched other pastors. I've known them through my life. Talk about what they were battling. And then the next thing you find out, after they've been battling those things, the people in the church begin battling some of the very same types of things. But Brother Mendez, I always wondered how much worse would it have been upon the people if the man had not confronted those spirits first. Hell understands, hell understands the hierarchy of the kingdom of God. It does. It sure does. Uh, there's a lot to be said here. I don't want to get too bogged down. But I just want you to understand God loves us. And God puts the right people in our lives for the exact roles that he needs them to be in our lives for. I'm thankful for my pastor. I'm not looking for accolades, folks. I, I, that's not what I'm here for. If I, I'll tell you what, what would be the greatest accolade in, in all of my life and everything that I do is if I'm walking down the streets of gold and Joseph Decker is right beside me and Reagan is beside me 
And Mateo's walking beside me. And we're approaching the throne of God. And we're all walking side by side in, a, in a sh assurance that we're going to see the king and we're going to be able to worship him forever. That's what's going to be beautiful. That's what's going to be beautiful. The pastor should instruct us in right living and help us to overcome the world. Your pastor will teach you the things that the Bible and God have shown him to be necessary for holy living. You're going to find deep satisfaction and you will find contentment in your walk with God when you submit to that authority and obey the teaching of the word of the Lord. Why? Because it's God's divine order. God has always I want to say that again. God has always spoken to his appointed and anointed men. Now I've seen men try to fill the fill fill a pulpit, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get there too deep, but I've seen things happen before where they took over and they left God out of the picture. It ended up in detrimental failure of those churches and I don't want to see that happen here. I want the perfect will of God to be done. My job is to equip you to be a true saint of God and a worker in the kingdom of God. To do the work of the ministry, the Bible says, what is that ministry that God's calling us to? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18. And all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. Now God has reconciled us unto himself by Jesus Christ. But guess what? Who has to continue the work of reconciliation? The Bible says, has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. It's your job to find somebody that's lost. It's your job to draw them in to the house of the Lord. Thank you, folks, for reaching out to those uh, that are around you. Brother Tuffy, I'm thankful that you reached out to, to, to that gentleman on, your, on the job site. I'm thankful for the family members that continue to flow into the house of the Lord. Why are they doing it? It's simply because we've got some people that understand their job in the kingdom of God, and that is to reach those that are hurting and lost and dying without God. The work and responsibility of every child of God is to bring others to God, to make disciples of others, fulfilling the great commission that Jesus left with us. The pastor's job is to build up the body of Christ, to cause it to increase in size through evangelism, to promote the maturity of its members through teaching or education, to help its members to find fulfillment in service to Christ through guidance and through counsel. It's his responsibility, it's my responsibility to help every single person find their place in the body of Christ. 
You got to be careful. When every time that you're giving advice, how much you're questioning what's being said. I don't know why I'm I, I, I don't know why I'm saying it, but I just it is what it is. It's for somebody. How does he know? Can I can I can I just give you a quick testimony? I'm I'm gonna finish this portion of the lesson and then we'll pick up next week. Can I give you a just a quick testimony of, of just a personal one? There was a time in my life that this isn't the first time I've been a contractor. I tried doing subcontractor work for, uh, for doing construction, doing some handyman work. My dad and I have been fairly decent at it, just walking in folks' house, fixing toilets or whatever in the case may be. And I feel like this is the direction I want to go. So it seemed like everything was pointing that way. I didn't, I didn't bother Brother Mendez to even call my, fa- my pastor, my father-in-law. I didn't bother to call him. It was too clear to me that this is the direction I need to go. And so I went that direction. And then I realized, man, the car that I have is not good, and, and I, need to, I need to get a better car. So I, I said, yeah, it's just a business decision, so... Why do I need to consult my pastor? So I, I didn't. I didn't call him. Didn't bother him. That was another excuse that I used. I'm, I didn't want to bother him. He's a busy fella. He was constantly going to Africa and all that. But I remember I was working one day. My brother met me somewhere on one of my job sites. I was unloading the trailer. I was getting everything ready to start fixing out. This lady needed a window replaced, so I had already pulled the window. I was about ready to set the new window. And my brother and I were talking, and he told me something my pastor had said. I don't even remember what it was exactly. He told me something my pastor had told him because he asked my pastor if he should join me in my endeavors. And my pastor said something to the effect of, there's something going to happen. And I looked at my brother and I said, how does he know? He's never done this kind of stuff before. I kid you not. I don't remember exactly what it was he said was going to happen, but I can promise you, I remember it was etched in my mind when it took place. God quickened to my mind. He said it was going to happen. How could he have known? He had no idea about the industry I was working in. He didn't know anything about construction hardly. How could he have known that but that God put it in his mind and in his mouth and he spoke it? God gave him the wisdom. I'm not saying that... I am saying there are repercussions sometimes if we, if we deliberately dodge God's will. 
making excuses that this is why I'm doing this and this is why I'm doing that. I'm not looking to be a dictator, but I am, I am looking to be a pastor that loves the people of God and that wants to see them saved. I want to help them. I want to help each and every one of you. I hope you hear my heart today. I'm not asking you to come and seek advice from me because I think I know everything. But what I am asking you, come seek advice from me because I know the one who will give me the right answers. I know that he will give me the right direction. And if I don't know the answer right away, I'm going to ask you to please be patient as we begin to pray. And if I don't get an answer quickly, I'm going to begin fasting and asking God, God, what is the answer? They need an answer from you. The pastor's job is not finished until you measure up to Christ. Until you are like Christ. The pastor can never let up. He is pressing you towards perfection. Every diamond has basic or intrinsic value. Every diamond does. But its true value is revealed the moment pressure is applied. It's just a fact. I began thinking as I was working through these notes this afternoon, I read through them three or four times asking God, God, is this really what you want me to be tonight? And I never could shake it. And I began thinking, Brother Mendez, I was with my trainer this morning. I don't like that sleigh. I don't like pulling a sleigh full of weight. And I have to pull it backwards. And I got to go nearly 50 yards like that. And then today he introduced me to something else, a band. That I was just doing this with this, this band. Oh my goodness. I was hurting, Brother Tuffin. I was burning. My neck was on fire. But he kept saying, come on. I got to 15 on my last, my last rep. He said, come on, you got to make it to 20. Come on. And he kept pushing. Come on, you got it. You got this. Come on. I was, I, was, I was about 10 yards from the end of my last pull on the sleigh this morning. And he said, come on, 10 more yards. 10 more yards. I couldn't see it. It was behind me. I had my eyes closed because I was in pain. And I said, oh, <laughs> the whole time. But he was pushing me. Why was he doing it? Why was he doing it? And then today, I got ready to, you know, we fasted all day, so I didn't have a lot of stuff in me except for some water. So I'm, I'm weighed myself before I got in the shower. And guess what? I lost eight pounds today. Not today, but since the last time I weighed. And guess what? I was super excited. And guess what? I'm excited to go back to the gym on Friday so that I can go lose some more weight. I'm trying to, I'm trying to make myself better. 
Now that's your physical, outward appearance and, and feeling good physically and all that. That's all great and wonderful. But let me ask you something. Isn't it so much better to become more like Christ? And if somebody has to push us and say, hey, hey, buddy, come on now. I know you can pray better than that. That's right. I know you can lift your voice up to God like better than that. I know that there's certain things in your life you're struggling with, but come on, let's press on anyways because those things won't be a struggle one day coming down the road. We're going to get further away from that because we're striving to become more like Jesus. We've got a job to do. You and me together, we're going to make it all the way. We've got to make it all the way. We're seeking after God like never before. One thing here that I told you, this, is, this came from Elder John's, a man that's built a beautiful church. He's not an overbearing man. One of the things he put in here was said, he said, if you will not listen to the pastor and submit, the pastor can't help you. You've essentially taken your own salvation back into your own hands. And I'm going to close with this. Everybody in the church gets the same spiritual food. Every one of you listening to me tonight are getting the same exact message, spiritual food. But each of you will turn out different based on your genetics, based on your environment, and based on your attitude. What do I mean? Well, it's really simple. God can reach for you and God can change you in a service. But if you don't go home and change the atmosphere that you live in, and if you don't go home and change your attitude in which you're receiving the things of God, then you won't change into the image of Christ. It's just a fact. To be more like him means I've got to be less like me. It's really, really simple. I want, to, I want everybody in this world to know that I am a Christian. But in order to be a Christian, I have to be like Christ. I've got to be. Can we stand to our feet tonight? Next week it won't be so... So difficult for me to work through the notes. Next week we're going to talk about being committed to one another. But tonight, I'm not looking, I'm not looking for any pats on the back. All I just want you to know is we're in this together, church. We're going to press on into the kingdom of God. We're going to see revival like we've never dreamed of. If we stay submitted to the power and the direction of God.
Can we reach out to God and begin to talk to him for just a few minutes today? Can we do that right now? Lord, I love you so much. God, I thank you for your wisdom. I thank you for your guidance. I thank you for the knowledge that you give time and time again. Things that, Lord, I know I'm not adequate to do. Things that I know that I would not understand without your help. God, I've seen you time and time again reveal things to me, Lord. God, that I know had to only come from you. Lord, I'm asking, Lord, that you would bind us together, Lord, in this church like never before. As we begin to seek after the kingdom of God and to see your glory in this community. God, I'm asking that you would bind us hearts together tonight. Lord, in the unity of the Spirit. Lord, not according to our own devices, but God, according to your perfect will. We thank you for your grace and your mercy in this house today. You are excellent and mighty, O oh God. You are righteous and holy here tonight, Jesus of Nazareth. We thank you for your goodness. We praise you for your goodness. Oh, can we love the Lord for just a moment? I feel his touch here today. Oh, I magnify you in this place tonight, Lord of heaven. Oh, holy God, I worship you tonight. Oh, I magnify you in this place today, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We worship and adore you today. Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen. I love each and every one of you. Amen. I'm thankful for God allowing me to be a part of your life and uh, allowing you to be a part of my life. Amen. I wouldn't be who I am without each and every one of you today. Amen. I need you. I need you like you have no idea. <laughs> Amen. God bless you all. This weekend, um, we're going to have service at 10 o'clock. Well, we're going to have Sunday school at 10 o'clock. Service starts at 1130. We'll be meeting on Saturday. And we need to get things hashed out, not just for Sunday, but we need to get things hashed out for Easter. We need to have some plans ready for Easter. Um, I don't know. I have, I, I, we're going to be doing a dinner this year um, on Easter because it's the fifth Sunday. We talked about that. And so we're going to be having that. We're going to be having a, a potluck that day. Uh, we don't. We need to determine what that's going to be so we can start communicating that out. Um, we're going to have a good time. And to be honest, I, I was thinking about it this afternoon, and I thought about it after I left the house. I didn't talk to my wife about it, so she's going to hear it for the first time. But I really want to do some puppets on Easter Sunday. I think that would be pretty cool. Maybe even do a puppet skit. That would be fun. And uh, we're going to have some, some, uh, some fun times like to get the kids involved as well. So um, anyway, we love y'all. If you need anything, give me a holler. Brother, Brother Tuffy's doing a lot of work on them cabinets, and I appreciate that very much. Uh, I'm going to.
probably have to do the sheetrock Monday next week um, because I got too many things that I've committed myself to this weekend. So anyway, okay. I was just trying to make sure I'm not holding you up. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. So that's a good point. I'm sorry. My wife mentioned that we may we may should ask families if they have already plans for Easter Sunday. I I don't know. We can talk about it some more um, because I I think even if if they do, we'll be done by what one thirty, probably two o'clock. We're starting church at ten, not not eleven thirty. So. Normally we're we're cleaned up and out of here by two o'clock. That's that's true. That's true. Brother Brother Herring will be here that Sunday. That'll be his first Sunday with us, and then we're starting uh, revival services from then. So it'll be that Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then Sunday we're going to be having revival services. So those are on the calendar. I think everybody can see them. If not, let me know. And I'll make sure that I get that public. Um, but we're going to start advertising. I'm going to reach out to the folks about that are doing our social media, start advertising that stuff. So if you can share it out, I'm going to send out a, a digital flyer that you could send out to your friends and family. Tell people about it instead of, all, all, as well as, as, as sending them the information. So anyway, God bless you all. We love you. You're dismissed tonight in Jesus' name.